And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney. Going to talk some Cubs right here in the juicy middle of spring training. And uh, also some World Baseball Classic stuff. Because I guess I guess we're kind of also in the juicy middle of that too. And I think for as much as um, it is a mere exhibition tournament, it is to me vastly more interesting right now than, you know, random Cactus League games. Uh, I know... Your mileage may vary on that, but obviously there were some big things happening this week in the World Baseball Classic, so we wanted to touch on that a bit for those of you who are or are not paying attention. Uh, biggest of which, of course, was... So Team Puerto Rico is playing Team Dominican Republic in a winner-moves-on-loser-goes-home game, which is was super compelling to me as a baseball fan because there's stars all over these rosters. It's too... Latin America areas that care deeply, deeply about baseball. They have a lot of pride in their teams. It means a lot to those communities and those fans. And uh, it was just a huge game. Puerto Rico wins, closed out by Edwin Diaz, who in the celebration tears his patellar tendon and he's likely done for the year. Um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about all of that because you want to live in one part of it, but then you have to talk about the other part of it. And, um, the discourse immediately goes to, oh my God, why are we letting big league players do this right before the season? So I have some thoughts I wanted to say, but I was curious, Mooney, you're, you know, observing it from the outside. How, how did you see, you know, that unfolding and the way people were talking about it and whether it does or doesn't mean anything for, you know, the future of the World Baseball Classic or, you know, any, any of these uh, tendrils of the story I think are interesting to discuss. I just look at it from the perspective of like baseball to me is just such a regional sport now. I feel like you follow the team that you grew up rooting for, the city you live in now. And then once your team's done, there's not a whole lot of crossover of like, you know, the equivalent of a Super Bowl party like during the NLCS that we all remember 2016 like what the neighborhood was like what the city was like it was amazing but so for me to now look at the world baseball classic you know i don't even know how much like americans care about team usa you know what i mean i'm just like you know it's a a cool event i love the passion that those fans are bringing in miami i love the style of play you mean because 
because there's no pitch clock. That's what you mean, right? Style. Exactly. Yeah. No, yes. No. The like the flair and things like that. I think you know Major League Baseball needs more of that. But in terms of like, I don't know, appointment viewing when we have March Madness going on and when people are so hyper focused on their own team. Uh, I just don't quite get it. That doesn't mean, like, I hate the event or it shouldn't go on or that Edwin Diaz is some, like, referendum on whether or not it should exist at all. Um, I just don't feel a lot of, like, buzz or interest or even, like, a, you know, even a push within our own company of, like, this is the the deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that all tracks. I think... I've noticed stateside, at least it's, it's getting a lot of attention from like super nerdy baseball folks like me, but getting virtually no crossover interest among sort of casual fans, many of whom will be paying attention to the regular season. Like even that level of fan who tunes in for the regular season, watches a lot of regular season MLB games is not really, you know, paying attention to like team USA. And, um, I think it was an interesting contrast to I saw, I believe it was a tweet from the Codify tweet uh, Twitter account. I'm not sure where they got it from, but I want to at least give that credit uh, that for the knockout game between Team Japan and Team Italy yesterday, uh, 48% of households in Japan were watching. 48%. That is a number I, I could not possibly wrap my head. That's, that is more than our watching or close to what are watching the Super Bowl in the United States. Um, so what I don't want folks to lose sight of because we become so parochial and, and localized at the way we think about baseball in our country, it's, it is a massive, massive international sport. And that matters to the future of the sport. It matters at some level to the future of the league. And so the World Baseball Classic is important in a lot of ways in that respect. But what I come back to as the most important thing is are the players and the fans to whom this really is what it's supposed to be, which is a celebration of the sport and an opportunity to have, to show some pride in your country and your team and win. Um, especially because as we know, baseball in the Olympics has had a fraught history and, and you don't really get the top players participating when it's even in the Olympics. So this is, this is kind of the thing. And I'm not saying it's the world cup. I'm not saying it's anything on, on, that level but to these players and to a lot of fans it really means a lot and so I was doubly bummed when the Diaz injury happened because I knew well one obviously I was bummed because it's just you you hate to see guys get hurt seriously injured just don't want to see it you don't want to see the landscape of the National League playoff race re-sculpted in March because of something like that but I was also just bummed because I knew that this is where a lot of the discussion was going to go. It was going to be, well, should guys even be playing in it? Should it be in spring training? Should it be at a different time? And it's kind of like I, the the brake pump on that for me is, well, it's not just about Major League Baseball. Like this is an international tournament. Uh, you know, some of the best players on Team Japan, which is just thumping every team, don't play in Major League Baseball. They're the best, some of the best players in the world, and they don't play in our country. And so, I don't know. I feel like we got a little, um, we're thinking a little too myopically about what this tournament is in relation to MLB. But that said, 
uh, and we'll transition a bit with this. I can't fight the feeling that you mentioned, Mooney, that ultimately I do pay way more attention to my team. You know, I care way more about the Cubs than I do about Team USA. And so, you know, Marcus Stroman is going to be starting today for Team Puerto Rico in their knockout game. And I would be completely full of shit if I did not admit that I see that with some trepidation. You know, I'm sort of like, you know, just get through it, fine. Uh, and, you know, how would, would my reaction be the same if this had happened to Stroman instead of Edwin Diaz? I, I don't know. I mean, Brett, you'd be dropping F-bombs left and right if Seiya Suzuki injured his oblique while playing in the WBC, oh. but he did you a favor and just got it out of the way yes. before he could even go do that. Like, we would have a whole episode about Seiya's oblique and, like, thought pieces on the WBC. But since it happened beforehand, it's like, hey, dry swings this weekend. Maybe hit off a tee, Where, you know? Where's the think piece <laughs> on um, there should be no practice before Cactus League games? Because a guy got hurt doing practice before the only Cactus League games matter because nobody's gotten hurt in those. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is weird to see, like, just... I don't know, Twitter is just kind of melting everyone's brain of people like, you know, uh, saying how the WBC should not exist in any form. And, you know, I think it was like, you know, Keith Oberman was getting into with Adam Jones. I don't know. There's so many rabbit holes you can go down on. Like, like personally, I don't really care that much about the WBC. Like, I think it, you know, when you look at a March Madness bracket and how, like, simple and straightforward it is versus, like, you know, all these waves of pools and run differential tiebreakers and kind of who's playing, who's not playing, and uh, whoever is playing is under certain restrictions. Like, I don't know. It's really hard to get people to pay attention to anything these days. And, you know, I'm not quite sure how the WBC breaks through there. Um, And then there are just always going to be a segment of the kind of world population that just likes ripping on things and complaining about things. So, I don't know. I guess if you're the Cubs, you hope Stroman uh, gets through it uh, healthy. Uh, you know, I think the real germane one was uh, Javier Assad just, like, blowing away Team USA in a way that all of us were like, whoa, I thought he was kind of like a, you know, pitchability, command, uh, you know, baseball IQ guy, and then just ripping through that USA lineup, I thought, you know, it kind of changed the perception of him and certainly gave the Cubs decision makers uh, a real great data point to consider as they they make these decisions. And I do think that him in the bullpen, while maybe it's not like their first choice, David Ross said that's on the table. And I don't think we would have said that in the middle of February when pitchers and catchers reported to Mesa. Well, it's funny because we were talking about it on the podcast either last week or the week before uh, that David Ross had mentioned in one of Assad's outings. You know, he was, oh, he was touching 95. And we kind of, it it sort of, I was like, wait, what? He's touching 95 and starts in March? That is that right? Did he misspeak? Well, we got our answer. I mean, obviously he was. And, um, you know, multiple thoughts on that. Uh, I love that you brought that up because... Um, I'll I'll leave the WBC stuff behind with only to say as thrilling as it was to see Javier Assad pumping 97 and striking out some of the biggest names on Team USA. Of course, a little part of me was like, 
okay, but maybe take it a little easy, bud. You know, it's it's March. Just take it easy. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. He 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 and Team Mexico are actually facing Team Puerto Rico today. So we'll see if he. Uh, Julio Urias is um, starting that one, but I would not be the least bit surprised if Assad gets into the game. So, um, okay, but about his role, um, I try to remind myself, you know, I saw you had written about this, about um, the Cubs potentially considering Assad in the bullpen, which at first caught me off guard for, I think, a lot of reasonable reasons. You know, that you'd love to develop anybody who's got the skill set to be a starter as a starter and he's in the rotation competition and we know the cubs are going to need starting depth at triple a and etc cetera, etc cetera. lots of good reasons but then i had to step back and remind myself the reason this guy is in the rotation competition in the first place is because he's really good and so at some level you almost have to stop yourself and be like wait a minute you don't have to say well he can only be a star he either makes the rotation or he heads to triple a to start we know Good teams that are overflowing with pitching, they send, quote, starting pitching prospects to the bullpen all the time. You know, we actually finally got a taste of it with the Cubs last year, you know, where you had Justin Steele starting the year, uh, finally in the rotation after the year before he was in the bullpen. And that's how he got sort of folded in. And um, good teams do this when you're overflowing. And it may be the case that by the end of spring training or, well, when these decisions come down sooner than that, the Cubs might say, you know what? Javier Assad is one of our best eight, and sometimes you just say, screw it. We, we want our best eight in the bullpen, and he's one of them. Yeah, I think you would have an Adrian Sampson, a Caleb Killian already stretching out in Iowa. Uh, I think there's optimism that Kyle Hendricks at some point, maybe in May, June, you know, will be a, you know, a valuable midseason addition. <clears throat> and so I think the thing with Assad would be, you know, Ross loves experience and proven durability in the bullpen. And, you know, it does make me wonder, too, of, and this is just me, like, guessing, but, like, some of these locks we've put down, like, for the Cubs bullpen, like, don't have, like, tremendously long track records. And, like, some of the stuff that they're counting on are you know, sort of unproven guys. And, you know, I don't see, like, there shouldn't be this, like, absolutely clear hierarchy other than you know we think michael fulmer's the closer brad boxberger is a guy who um, can really navigate uh through a lineup and handle end game situations like locked in there and you know you think thompson and alzali are you know they were not stretched out so you have them there and brandon uses the only lefty on paper but you know rowan wick signed that you know pre arb deal but there's still some flexibility there so i don't there just hasn't been that like clear definition back there that i wonder if facade's throwing that well like just why not and then figure out the other stuff around that especially because the cubs like you suggested there have so much flexibility with what they can do with a lot of these guys you know it's like a roan wick's a perfect example there is a presumption that he's making this bullpen for because of the history there because he did sign pre-arb um, but he has an option left. It, it's like, look, we're trying to win. And that doesn't mean you're not going to contribute at some point. It's just, look, these are the guys we want right now. And so I'm not, that's not me dumping on Wick specifically. It's just, he's an example of a guy we think of as locked in, but there's flexibility there. In reality, the only guys that there isn't 
flexibility. You know, you know, Edward Alzali is out of options, but he's making it anyway. Uh, Mark Leiter Jr. has an opt-out coming, uh, so got to make a decision on him. And Julian Merriweather has no options. And I think he's looked, to, to me at least, he's looked like a guy who needs to make this bullpen. Beyond that, other than the two free agents they signed that you mentioned, I mean, there's just tons of flexibility. They can move guys around as as necessary. And so there is going to be that opportunity if they want to take it. To, to It actually kind of circles back to my point about how ramped up Assad is now because of the WBC. Maybe some of his best bullets are going to come in April and May and June this year. And maybe you don't want him going back to Iowa and sort of uh, stretching back out and trying to like reshape his performance around, okay, I'm, I'm going to be ready when they need me to start. Maybe you want him to just keep cooking. Maybe you just want him to, to come straight from there and keep cooking. And um, I, yeah, I was glad you brought that up because it really shuffled my thinking on, on him specifically. Um, and it's, it was, it was just easy to forget about him as a possibility because the Cubs do have so many relief options. Cause I mean, you alluded to Brandon Hughes this morning, right? In Bleacher Nation, in your uh, about like how, roundup, how, he, how he's looked this spring, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was, uh, it was yesterday, but so oh, yes, okay. just for whatever it's worth to folks. And I'm not trying to listen. We don't have full data available in the spring. Camera angles aren't great. You're, you know, whatever. So I'm not trying to make any grand pronouncements. But we do know that Hughes was delayed in his ramp up. He was a little behind, and watching his appearances this spring, I don't feel like he's looked like the guy we saw last year. There's like something that's just not, I mean, command is always a factor, but like, there's just something about the fastball doesn't quite seem to have as much life. Uh, the slider is not sort of embarrassing guys in the way it did last year. And it's spring training. There's still two weeks. There's a million reasons why that's like not a concern, but I'm just saying as I look at a lot of other guys when they're pitching, I'm like, man, this guy looks good. Man, this guy looks good. And so it stands out when there's a guy we think of as locked in who just maybe doesn't quite look ready yet. Yeah, I mean, I think Hughes was a little behind because they factored in his workload and the role that he would play on the team uh, this season. And certainly all the talk in camp has been around, you know, you only have one lefty and, it, and it's use and so again we're not picking on Rowan Wick we're not singling out Brandon Hughes but just like in general uh until the Cubs discovered this low-cost bullpen formula every year Jed Hoyer was talking about you know relief performances are the most volatile ones in the business and you know stuff like that and I do wonder if you know either we on the outside are maybe um over projecting certain players or maybe the Cubs are overestimating internally. Like I do think these final 10 days or, or whatever, um, there could be some shuffling that we're just not quite privy to yet, or they're not really diving into those conversations quite yet, but it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if there was one of those like, Hmm, I, I didn't quite see that coming. And also, you know, Whatever the bullpen is on March 30th, like, it'll probably be different, like, three days later. And, you know, I think Merriweather is the one who has stood out. I asked Ross about that the other day because when Team Canada was at 
the Sloan Park complex for a workout in that exhibition. I was talking to someone uh, from Toronto and who asked about Julian Merriweather. And honestly, I got Julian Merriweather and Jordan Holloway confused in my head because it was just part of that grab bag of reliever yep. guys. And he's like, uh, maybe he's strained an oblique. And then I think it was the other guy, obviously. But, um, you know, with... I'd asked Ross, kind of prefacing it that way, of this guy's had great stuff, but he's always been injured. And, like, how do you factor that in? And knowing that Ross is someone who wants that track record. And, you know, he said the stuff has lived up to the hype, that he's looked great every single time on the mound, and you'd like that track record, but that's not the end-all, be-all here. And I do think he is at least trending toward a guy you'd probably put in the bullpen i mean just you know his kind of pedigree um as a as a prospect the data they're getting uh whatever kind of traits they see that they think they could like you know turn something up here tweak there he kind of fits that profile so i think you'd probably put him in and then you know, with all these bullpen guys, like they have the least job security out of anyone. You know, someone's going to get injured. You could almost guarantee it between now and opening day. They'll be, oh, someone's feeling, you know, shoulders feeling a little tight or, you know, just general arm fatigue, nothing to be concerned about. We're being required. Like all that stuff's going to be coming because it always does. Yes. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I think I want to, since we're on it, this, this, there's no segue here. It's just, I feel like there is one guy who's in the bullpen mix that I never mention. And I keep forgetting, it's, it's not, there's not any reason, but it's Michael Rucker. 
I just never mention him. And it's, I think it's because, um, you know, last year he was, when he was up, he was just sort of like capable, you know, he, he didn't really stand out in good or bad, which is, that's useful. You know, it's, it's hard to be, uh, not noticeable in the major leagues. That means you're passing some threshold. Um, but he's, he too has looked good this spring and he's had stretches in his sort of prospecting career where he has put it together really well and been impressive. Um, and I think he, uh, has options left, but you know, I think the thing we maybe don't think about as much is if a guy like, um, you know, Mike Talkman is going to make the roster. Well, he needs a 40 man spot. So the Cubs are going to have to do some stuff and, and, and uh, Mark Leiter jr. If he makes it need a 40 man spot. So there, there are going to be considerations in terms of bouncing guys that go beyond whether they have options left. But I think, you know, I, I just feel like I should mention Rucker more because he's looked good. He was solid enough last year. And I think he, there's a reason when there was crowding on the 40 man earlier in the off season, there's a reason he didn't get bounced. The Cubs kept him for a reason. I think they, I think they like, they still like the potential there for him to be a, a nice solid middle uh, reliever for them. So he, he probably is, is, is still very much in the mix to make that opening day bullpen. I had the same experience while writing up uh, a notebook or a mailbag the other day of running down who's in, who's out. And, you know, it does say something that he was not uh, part of the churn on the 40 man during the off season. He kept that. And then also the Cubs also show what they thought of him by, you know, shoveling him back and forth because uh, he had that option. And clearly that's what uh, they wanted to do. And it will be interesting to see how they piece that together, how they fit Talkman on the roster, because it, it seems pretty obvious that, that he's he's their guy. Uh, and otherwise, I don't know. It seems like the, the group of position players are pretty much set then. I think we're all operating on the assumption that Christopher Morell and Nelson Velasquez will play uh, consistently at AAA Iowa instead of playing like once a week uh, in Chicago. Um Whatever you think of the Nick Madrigal third base experiment, uh, at least publicly, David Ross is saying he's passed the eye test in terms of lateral quickness, arm strength, being able to just kind of handle the basics. Uh, And at that point, it seems like they'd like his contact skills uh, at their disposal off the bench or as a, you know, part-time starter. And, you know, Edwin Rios, I think, is... Interesting uh, as a left-handed hitter who's, whatever, 28, 29, and never got that shot with the Dodgers. I mean, we're getting into, you know, Theo taking old Red Sox prospects off of the, uh, you know, DFA bin uh, territory here with all the ex-Dodgers. But, you know, to me, that seems pretty set, barring an injury down the stretch here. Yeah, it feels like in a roundabout way, the Seiya Suzuki injury, which uh, nominally opened the door for Talkman to make the roster, actually also clarified a lot of the other edge case uh, questions because it means you're going to need someone like Patrick Wisdom or Trey Mancini to spend some time in right field, which means, okay, there's going to be more openings on the infield, so maybe we can carry Edwin Rios, and okay, there'll be starts a third for Nick Madrigal. Um, you know, what'll happen when say returns, it's just not something you worry about now. And I think ultimately you just, um, 
you try to construct the best roster you can coming out of camp and then cross whatever bridges come when they do because someone else might get hurt and it might be the same week that say is returning and then you end up not having to worry about it i think you're right that once it became i mean clear would be the wrong word but once it became expected that velasquez and morel were gonna head to triple a that that answered just so many of the the roster questions and so barring injury over the next couple weeks which you can't bar but i think we kind of have a good sense of what the the bench is going to be um but we'll see we'll see what happens over the course of the next week maybe there'll be some injury in the wbc that changes things up and we can have another round of frustrated discourse on that you you totally rocked rocked me there when you were like if that if say injury had happened in the wbc dude you're totally right i would have been apoplectic i don't know that i i'd like to think i wouldn't like be blaming the WBC or, or say, I'd be like, I think I'd be more of just like, why, why, why? Um, but you're right. So that was a good thing that had happened before, <laughs> before he left. Um, you got anything else uh, for folks? Oh, I think, I think the only thing I would say is that after almost three full weeks in Mesa, oh. I, I do feel like we're due for, you know, a late March surprise, whether it's some, roster thing where we didn't see coming or something some sort of cubby occurrence because it just does seem like you know maybe the Cubs are just getting better at covering up injuries or something but other than the uh Saya issue things have gone relatively smoothly uh, I'm saying that out loud I don't know maybe I'll be proven Wrong, By the time this it, publishes, yeah, someone will have a broken feel, arm. Yeah, it does feel like, um, you know, surprisingly quiet and businesslike and, you know, not like bursting at the seams with personality. And that's something that uh, why Hayden Wisniewski has really like stood out to me this camp as like someone who... And even Cubs people like say this, like someone who's, you know, on on the mound, like the way he's, you know, tugging his jersey, adjusting his hat, kind of strutting around the mound. Like he acts like someone who's been there before for a very long time. And the Cubs certainly need some of those breakout guys. And to me, he's like the most obvious one, like right there, right in front of you. And, you know, we'll see if he can translate his success from last year and his good results in the cactus league and really everything the Cubs are saying about this guy. But, you know, outside of him, there just hasn't been like a whole lot of, um, I don't know, buzz or kind of wackiness or just kind of like spring training hijinks. I'm not complaining uh, I'm not criticizing. It just was kind of the the main takeaway I got leaving Arizona last night. It has been kind of a boring spring training, which you could hear as criticism. But honestly, if if your choice is a boring spring training or one that is fraught with uh, craziness and injuries and freakouts and what have you, you would certainly choose boring. But you know, it would have been nice to have a bouncy house or two this this spring to to jump in either metaphorically or literally. But uh, 
yeah, I, you know, you're right though. We say it and then some crazy shit's going to happen over the next uh, 12 days to, to just blow right back up in our face. And then Tim, our producer can cut a video of you saying, you know, boy, nothing has happened. And then, and then three minutes later, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> uh, all right. We appreciate you folks as always. Um, this is onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the athletic I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Patrick Mooney. Get his at The Athletic. Sadiq Sharma is on location uh, out west, so that's why he was not with us today. But uh, I imagine he will be cooking up some great content that you will also want to check out at The Athletic and uh, head over to the Cubs page. And we'll be back at you next week with uh, about a week and a half to go in spring training. Can you tell I'm getting itchy for the regular season because I keep referencing the amount of time that's left in spring training. Yes, I am very itchy for for the regular season. And we'll be there with you when that arrives. But in the interim, uh, a little more spring training to go. Uh, Take care, folks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.